This episode of Verbal Tap brought to you by NogiBJJGear.com. Use the promotional code VerbalTap15 to get 15% off of your order. Do it! As we speak, because there was a UFC event last night, 256, and if you're Ferguson, Janji Roba, Souza, or Dos Santos, you know, maybe you didn't lose. Maybe you're just one to 846 lawsuits away from getting that decision overturned. It's time for Verbal Tap. I'm your host, Kevin. With me, of course, Raph Esparza. Raph, how was that for the my topical political up front? Good. Thank you. <laughs> I was super bummed. How are you? I, I'm doing great, man. And I have to tell you, we talked a little bit about this off air. Yesterday's card was really good, and it really put me in a good mood. And I have to say this because we shat on this card a little bit. Mm-hmm. So I'm not eating crow on this one because deep in my heart I still believed. However, there's a lot of positive energy here, Kevin. Us and a global pandemic shat all over this fight. We also have returning uh, from our lovely, well, my new favorite podcast, South Paw Podcast. Sam, how are you, sir? I'm doing all right. Uh, that was a stacked card. It, it ended up where a lot of the fights got canceled, but then it left just like the fights that ended up being really good. It is nerve wracking, Kevin, when the guest informs me. Moments after our episode is posted, by the way, which means we just recorded it. By the way, Angela Hill no longer on the card. I said, damn it. Of course. (laughs) We had to see that coming. Well, I know you were asking me who I had last minute, Tisha Torres or Sam Hughes. Yes. Who, Sam, who did you go with? Or is this a name thing? You have to pick anyone named Sam. (laughs) No, I picked Tisha Torres. Oh, you quitter. If that was Kevin Hughes, I would have picked her. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> well, we should circle two results in a second here, or at least uh, results from the card. We'll get to results of over-under Kevin a little bit later. Sam, there was something that was bugging me that I didn't ask you last week mm. that I realized I should ask you this week in terms of how you produce a show. Mm-hmm. So when you're producing the show, how much work goes into what you do? Now, I ask you this. Mm-hmm. With full, full self-disclosure here, Kevin and I spend exactly an hour on the show a week. And that's with oh. my fancy editing skills. <laughs> yes. So, Sam, how long are you looking at when you put together an episode that I'm sure includes research uh, on a given topic as well as sometimes grabbing a guest? Oh, man. So let's say I do a a two-hour interview. That probably took 10 hours to produce. Maybe even longer if I had to read a book. For no. It. Whoa, shit. You have to read books for your podcast? <laughs> oh, rap. Yeah. Hard veto for me. That's a hard yeah. pass. And then Kevin we'll, and I am sometimes elected to just not do a podcast if it went too long. And we was, say, you know what? We'll take this week off. We just watched Sylvester Stallone movies when everything was on hiatus. That's how much work we put in. 
I remember thinking to myself, like when we were doing this and you're reading the intro, you know, as we were doing this and then reading the, the plugs as we were doing this, I was like, did they just like, kind of upload this as it went? They don't do any like editing or a lot of construction or producing. It just is what it is. The lights when, on, uh, baby. <laughs> and speaking of this Christmas, wrap your package the way you would want to be wrapped with Manscaped. I have to tell you. Uh, my wife came home with these little mini beer cans, and I'm feeling like maybe Manscaped was too much because I feel like I deserve a big beer can for what I'm bringing to the Manscaped table. Enter in verbal tap 15. You're going to want to put the ball deodorant on. It's going to change your life. Rap, speaking of. <laughs> Use the promotional code verbal tap for 20% off of whatever you put in the cart. God damn it, Kevin. I don't know sometimes where you're going with this. I don't either. Um, but mostly okay. I'm just really upset about these tiny beer cans. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's a 24-pack. I had to crack like three at a time. If you want to okay. help out and look good. Sam, what's your fa- Are you a no-gi or a gi guy? Uh, I gi now i used to be mostly strictly no gi and then as i've gotten older only doing the gi now and when you're mm-hmm. no gi are you spats are you wearing spats are you doing like what's your no gi look uh yeah like shorts and then underneath the shorts i'll wear like long leggings or something same you can look your best you can look as good as sam sounds on the radio by going to nogibjjgear.com, spats up, black is slimming, we've all been putting on some pounds, it's Christmas! <laughs> Enter in verbal tap 15, 15 being the ideal poundage we will all have to lose, but that's uh, the spring's problem, and then we can go to brighter colors. Raph, that's all for the plugs, I just wanted to... <laughs> Good work. Let me return back to Sam's original prompt, which is, there's an industry term that a lot of late night shows use, and it's called live to tape. And the idea is... When they say live from New York, a lot of the times you tend to be watching something that was taped live. But should we explain what taped is for people under 30? Sure, Kevin. Give a quick, oh, how do you do this? Two little circles with what look like uh, (laughs) black electrical tape used to imprint sound and images. There you go. There we go. So it's something that we have inherited from late night, which. It's probably the closest genre to what Kevin and I do in terms of our contribution to MMA and jiu-jitsu. So, yeah, you are correct. When we do it, it's a one-take thing. And there's a lot of good that comes from that. However, if you go through our archives, there are some moments that Kevin and I go, "Eh, you know, that just happened. So, all right, there it goes. I have to ask. If people are very interested to hear maybe a couple episodes, can you give us an example of something that is taking that 10 hours of your time? Um, We just did a recent one about the history of anarchism. So that was like two episodes, uh, both about an hour and a half each, and uh, had to do a lot of prep, um, you know, like kind of having to inform myself what questions I need to ask to try to get the best information out. So it's, it's an it's a interview, but it's also almost like a lecture. So I even mm-hmm. work with the with the guest and trying to figure out what are their strengths, what what are the areas they know the best, and how should we construct this? So it's like kind of a, a logical timeline as they're listening, how we go from one topic to another, and how it 
can seemingly flow smoothly and where people can learn, um, you know, like where whatever we just talked about builds onto the next idea. So it's easier for people to learn. So that took a long time. And then even like when we do just uh, fight studies where we break down fights, like recent UFC cards, like we're going to do one on the UFC 256. It'll be uh, me and Paul um, creating the script, breaking it down, analyzing it. But lately it's been just Paul doing it and then I'll read through it and I'll make any corrections. Like I'll fact check some of the stuff that he's analyzing uh, to make sure that the stats are correct and also just edit for like, you know, we have actually, <laughs> believe it or not, we have a writer's guide that we follow for Southpaw to make sure our quality is always Gross. up to snuff. So always like editing it just to make sure it follows our guidelines. And then he records it and then I edit it, produce it, master it. Uh, so all the voices are like always the same level. And then we, we post it. And uh, so it okay. takes me a long time. Well, but mm -hmm. uh, well, something I was talking to you, Raf, off the air was just that how impressed at the, the sponsors you have, because when I think of Manscaped, I think of Ariel Hawani. So I was like, we're not even at that status, you know? That's like that got weird for I, a second. Didn't know that that would be your first association of like, you know, when I think of Manscaped, I think of that that Ariel Hawani. Yeah, because the only oh, two podcasts I know of that have Manscaped is is you all and Ariel Hawani. So that's like you know that's the big times right there. When I think Ariel, Manscaped, I got a verbal tap. Long time. I think the Christmas tree I shaved into myself, and I think verbal <laughs> tap fifteen. Go to Manscaped.com. Enter in the discount code. Yeah, yeah, don't use don't should... use Ariel's code. Use the verbal tap code. <laughs> Thank you. They get that other code. He gets paid Kev. enough. Go ahead. Yeah, he's got that contrast. ESPN money. Kev, can you give him a contrast to the amount of preparation that both you and or I do on this show? Well, I think I told you about the beers, right? I had uh, <laughs> the whole thing where I had to yell about the size of the beers. That took, oh, wow, 10, 12 minutes, I'd say, before she walked upstairs and then, you know, I had to go look at the highlights of the fights. I watched the undercard, and I have to tell you all, I'm worried about Cub Swanson. Cub Swanson <laughs> might secretly be a zombie. I'm not sure that was a human being fighting. I'm definitely worried about the state of the UFC when I watched, like, the story of this card was what this card was originally. And I'll tell you, that's one stacked fight card. Um, yeah. All the stuff that got cut from this. But that was, uh, I don't know, 27 minutes, give or take. I also had to soberly look Sam's podcast back up, but now I'm staring right at it, including episode 85, Into the Weeds of Anarchism, Marxism, and Identity Politics, part one. Well, Sam, I'm glad that you do that. And... I think that people should know that they can go support you on Patreon because if you're putting in that much work and I'm preparing to do something that is a special episode of the spinoff grappling hour, you know, man, I, I feel your pain well, and yeah. I understand where you're coming from. I'll give you a little bit more credit though, Raph. You're kind of like uh, MMA. You're ubiquitous in the, f so you're just always absorbing. That's really helpful. So I can just dodge and weave. <laughs> 
So together, we form a little bit of a mini Voltron that doesn't really come to the fight on time. I do That's have one kind more. Of our game. I have one more anarchism question, Sam. What mm. kind of prep are you doing for that? Like, you're, you're, that makes more sense when you're saying you have to read books and start to understand something. And uh, just watching the Belushi doc, he was talking about being an anarchist. He'd rather be an anarchist than a professional. I was having that moment where I was. Anyway. What do you do prep-wise for anarchy? What do you mean? Like for that episode, or yeah, how much research? Um, for that one, I didn't end up reading any books. It was more like getting familiarizing myself with the guest's work, which is a lot of like uh, she's written a lot of essays and long articles online, a lot about theory, political theory. So I had to freshen up on that. And then uh, she has her own YouTube channel where she posts a lot of like um, educational stuff. So I had to bone up on that as well. I don't like the way you're fact checking yourself. If mm-hmm. I read more than the headline, it counts as a book I read this year. So <laughs> if, I, if I get 250 words in, you're welcome. Add it to the bio. Okay, that's interesting then. So Zoe Baker, who's the guest on that show, it's kind of, um, all right, I'm following yeah, Kev, yeah, you know, it's not that weird, ask. though, I was going to say. Hmm. What's not that weird? Well, because uh, if you think about, well, you two do comedy and MMA and it's conversational, so it makes sense. But I would say you look at something like um, like the videos Jack Slack makes or BJJ Scout or people like that, that like even a five minute video, I know it takes them like hours and hours to make. Right. So it, it started out us talking about MMA and doing it like they did putting a lot of uh, effort into it and then just like carried over to the interviews as well. So like I know for sure uh, and and they've mentioned it that uh, BJJ Scout, Jack Slack and all the other like modern martial artists. Actually, I know him real, in real life. And if it's like a 10 minute video, he ta- he tells me it takes him like 20 hours to make it. OK, yes, we are similar in that <laughs> regard. Absolutely. <laughs> I, you know, we like being grouped together with the cool kids at the table. It's fine. What I would say, though, Sam, is the other question I had. Uh And again, to people who are listening here, I understand you want to get to the fight results. Shut up. We will. But the one thing that has really been peeking its head out, especially in our sport at this given time, is the concept of sports watching. Now, every time I see Khabib, there is a conflict for me because... We look at the athleticism and we say, wow, that is impressive. And sometimes it is hard to look at what's happening outside of that. You know, when you and Pops are getting together with Putin, just having tea, no big. And then giving the nice little family matters moment of, you listen to your papa. Mm. And everybody goes, nah, that's so cute. Yay. For me, these things sometimes get a little subjugated under the element of hey guys it's just mma but just this week there seemed to be an element where sanctions were put against i don't know some weird country and yet it doesn't seem to create a blip on the radar of most mma fans so where do you fall in the element of sports washing in our sport and i guess how do you handle it how do i handle watching like uh how do I separate watching it from the political aspect of it? Yeah. 
Well, it's uh, it's not that hard. It's it the the path has already been paved by pro wrestlers, or I should say, pro wrestling fans, right? Okay. Like, Kane is an incredible performer, right? Especially in in peak Kane days when he was like not only a giant man but jumping off the top ropes, doing all those. He was like a very athletic big man, right? Now, Kane under the mask, the person is a libertarian mayor, right? Sure. And it's like. But Kane, the performer, is not Glenn Jacobs, the mayor. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It's that you could separate their performance in the ring and what they do in the ring from who they are outside. Like, The Undertaker is Blue Lives Matter, but in WrestleMania, he's the dead man, right? Mm. So for me... <laughs> oh, I God. mean, this is... You two lost me minutes ago, but I'm sticking around. It's a good mental exercise to try and keep up. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, this is this isn't uh, even like me coming up with this. This has been like addressed in you know um, pro wrestling like newsletters to like podcasts to YouTube channels a bunch of times dealing with like the politics outside uh, of wrestling, like some of the bad politics some of the wrestlers have, and you just like can appreciate the art form and then think of it as something different from who they are in real life, like. Uh, I was explaining this in another interview that people do this association where it's like MMA and UFC is one for one the same thing. And it's not MMA and UFC is two different things. Right. But it just happens that because the UFC is so big and ubiquitous, we always make that association. Um, So the same thing with the fighters. It's like when they're in the ring and they're throwing a punch, that punch, the way they threw it, whether it was like a, a jab or a hook, that that move, those decisions they made and how they ended up winning or losing is, I guess, the only way I can really explain it is like when you're rolling, right? You can't think about anything else other than the roll. Like you don't even know if you're, it's almost like an out-of-body experience, when, especially when it's intense, right? You're, you're like, you don't know if you're a man or a woman. You don't know where you end and the, and the other person begins. It's just like so, so basic. You're just like, I'm going to grab their wrist and I'm going to shimmy my hips over here. And it's just like you can't think about too many other things, right? You're just thinking about what's at hand. And I think of MMA in that way too where it's like a series of decisions these fighters have to make. And I watch it just by enjoying the freedom and the decisions that they're making in the ring. I think because I approach it from just such an analytical perspective, right, breaking down the moves that they're doing, it makes it easier. Whereas I think maybe for you two because you're – talking about the comedy and you're talking about the characters and the things they do and you're you're making light of their foibles then you have to put your your microscope on their foibles whereas for me i can just that isn't my you know that isn't my like wheelhouse right my so, wheelhouse that's is my more, new band uh, name. more at the moves <laughs> microscope on your foibles is a band name i i gotta find that website domain i'll be right back guys Kev, just making sure I'm writing this down right. Our job is harder. Got it. Okay. Did yeah. not know that was the case. But I, I just, it is something that I sometimes have to look at when I'm approaching the comedy, when I'm, say, making a meme, where I go, am I normalizing part of this? Because I know that most other memers don't think of that. And they're welcome not to. I, I think that if that is not within their realm, they should just be trying to make you laugh. But every once in a while, I look around and I say, ah, this guy's too stupid to celebrate. This is this is not a joke I really feel like making. Um, just in the, the terms of 
looking and, and knowing that sometimes these are conflicting ideas. What I would say, though, is that if y'all want a good exercise in finding where you stand this week, go see what Kamaru Usman has been up to, I guess, in the past two weeks, at least on most MMA news cycles. And especially when we see that there is uh, one particular, I, I mean, bloody elbow as in general has become a huge target for people to say, like, just stick to MMA. And I go, well, <laughs> you know, hmm, that's a very interesting thing. I guess it just depends on which MMA yeah. outside coverage we're getting on politics. But OK. However, one thing I think all of us can agree on is Tito Ortiz as a councilman is going to provide us nothing but bloopers. <laughs> and for that, we're thankful. Kev, <laughs> let's get straight over to the card. Fine. I'm going to start off with this. <laughs> Kev, you were telling us 10 minutes ago you lost interest in what we were talking about. And now you're like, well, yeah, we'll come back to it. No, yeah, no. But I, I do mean... want to start with this. Sam, how good, in your opinion, was that main event? Oh, man. I, I would say it's the best, maybe top three, you know, and then after that you might have to think about it more if it deserves to be number one. But just off the top of your head, top three, like, flyweight fights of all time. Oh, shit. So you enjoyed the card tremendously as well, because that's how yeah. it is. Yeah, I, I mean, I missed, uh, I think, the first couple of fights, but then started watching from the Fizia fight and on, and it was like everything was a banger. So, Kev, just to put this in some context for you, we started the night with friend of the show, I guess we can say. I mean, he's a follower of what we do. Chase Hooper did come away with a heel hook submission. I now, saw mind... that. The kiddo. The young man. Not only did he come away with the submission, but he was hobbling on one foot for a bulk of the fight. And you could tell it was really affecting his performance. So in the third round, when he's down on the cards, you kind of think to yourself, what are you going to do? Oh, I don't know. Pull some heel hook shit. And where did he get it from? He credited it to Ryan Hall. He said, man, I really wanted to work with him, and I have to really give him the props for that. And he set it up with a nice feint and then went straight into an Eminari. And wouldn't you know it, the kid comes away with the heel hook as a result of it. He also um, the did setup that was great, and he did a I, good job. I always want to do when someone's trying to heel hook me, and he punched him right in the face. That's always like my go-to defense. Like I really wish I could punch you. All right, I'll tap instead. But I do like uh, Chase gave him just a backhand right to the nose. Can we talk about Ryan Hall for a second? I feel bad for the guy in that he fights. I think if you look up all his fights for the UFC, it's like he fights once every two years. So yeah. he fights every once every two years, like this mythical creature that comes in. And there's all these other fighters who've already had five fights, but they're like always inspired by Ryan Hall's leg locks. So, so his presence of like people doing his setups are greater than the number of fights he's had. It's really disappointing, Kev. Just so you know, the meme community puts out a daily meme that equates, sometimes it's false, but you know, at least comedically how bad things are for Ryan Hall. For example, <laughs> I think that one of them took a popular X-Men meme where Jean Grey and Cyclops are making out and Wolverine's super pissed, and it was Dana White falling back in love with the featherweight division making out <laughs> while he, Wolverine, was Ryan Hall. No, and it's no, funny. 
Northern Virginia's <laughs> finest, by the way. In my early days of grappling, this is just a fun throwback, Sam. I lived out just outside of D.C., and Brian Hall would just show up at tournaments, obviously, because it was a different era, and frequently do, like, small super fights and things. Pretty cool. Yeah. Tiny, tiny man imposing. <laughs> so, Kev, just to give you some further context here as well, Dana White went on the record saying in the post-presser, yeah, that was the best featherweight fight of all time. No doubt. So good so, they couldn't declare a winner? What the shit? Well... Let's explain some context to that as well. It's ridiculous. Turns out, Kev, you could argue you nothing someone, happened. You could argue zero things that happened. Just you are speaking from a position of not knowing, and I must educate you because it was so good. And here's mm-hmm. why: if there wasn't a punch to the dick, things <laughs> might have been really what it came down to. I don't know any other way to put it to you. Yeah. If it wasn't for that minus one, Davison would have won on all three cards, all Correct. three judges' cards. But would you have been surprised by some of those scorecards? Did you have it scored that exact same way, Sam? Yeah, I, ha- I had Davison winning. And then I thought because of the minus, maybe it was going to be a draw. So I was expecting a draw, actually. Yeah, there was a moment during the uh, <clears throat> fight companion I did yesterday where I just kind of said, yeah, I think this is going to a draw. And I know sometimes when we preface that, it's a little bit of an unpopular thing to say to people because people love to see them some winners and losers on all fights, and understandably so. But, Kev, you argue nothing could have theoretically happened there. There was a (laughs) lot of shit that happened. For example, uh, Figgy Smalls, 100%, kept his hands down throughout the bulk (laughs) of the fight, and yet... It seemed to mostly work. The only thing that happened is he had a game opponent and Brandon Moreno who basically said, oh, if you keep your hands down long enough, you're going to let me back into this fight more often than I should be. Mm -hmm. So there was a lot of heart on display. There's also talk that they immediately want to go this into a rematch scenario. And I have no problem with that. If you are coaching him, Sam, what are the adjustments that you would suggest to Brandon Moreno? Hmm. I think uh, a lot of those body kicks were, you saw that, right? Like they seem to be working well. Um, a lot of the combinations, especially as counters. So after Davison throws, Moreno waits and then throws right after. He did really well. And also uh, the grappling exchanges. It seemed like the grappling exchanges is what really made it close. As soon as it, not even like hit the ground, as soon as they clinched up, Moreno. Um, I wouldn't say he's like way better than him, but good enough to control him on the ground. So I think there was a lot of positives that he could just build off of. But the I don't wrestling. know if they could run it back that fast because that remember that arm? Yeah. That added that added to the drama of the fight because he was like fighting the last round where it looked like his arm was either broken or just something was wrong with it. He he couldn't throw it. On the commentary deck, they were suggesting the idea that maybe a kick ruined the elbow mm-hmm. but it was later revealed in his post fight interview that Brendan had actually in true smiling Brendan form <laughs> was like oh no my shoulder just sucked it's fine and you go oh so it wasn't the elbow it was your shoulder that popped out good cool to know <laughs> meanwhile yeah. Kevin it was also revealed that uh, Davison was apparently in the hospital until 2 a.m on Saturday, 
he had some sort of stomach virus of some sort. Like he said he wasn't feeling well, but still managed to show up. That Vegas buffet, I've been there. You think, <laughs> I'll go to the nicest one. I'll just get a little salad <laughs> an hour later. I have one question, and yes. it has nothing to do with the fights outside of. I didn't realize the dick punch would be so important to this conversation. This is this is Mighty Mouse's division, right? Yeah. This is yeah. what he used to fight at? Okay, why the hell was he, like, cut from the UFC? Where th- isn't this the exact moment we were waiting for? Someone like uh, D Figs, D Figs mm-hmm. the D puncher. Was it bad? Like, wh- how many times did he hit him in the nuts? I mean, it was a significant one. You know, it's that kind of hit where, and I want to bring this to everybody's attention, just because we had to meme it because it was so perfect. But yes, I will take the third opportunity on air to share this joke. It does appear, Kevin, that. The UFC is now sponsored by Trojan Condoms. Take mm-hmm. that, Condom Depot. <laughs> and the tagline here says, protect yourself at all times. Trojan Condoms. Uh-huh. And it's a poster for UFC 256. And our joke was, so effective, she'll want to take the full five. Now, yeah. we're 100% in the right in this, because fuck them. But also, disrespect to Condom Depot. And we will not stand for that here. There's also a rumor thing. Moreno manscaped an arrow at his junk, so maybe. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so here's what you should know. We're in a seriously weird place here with the UFC, which is apparently this is the best year for the UFC ever. Even though a lot of bad shit happened, they're doing financially great, which is why, Kevin, we have to cut 60 fighters. I was just going to say, they're doing so great. They just cleaned the house. Absolutely. They're doing great. And they did they mention the lawsuit at all on air? Nope. In fact, earlier, I think this week during a media scrum, Dana White gave the most mafioso response, which is, I don't know anything about that. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Uh-huh. So I wanted to be like, Dana, I'm pretty sure you know a little bit about it. In yeah. fact, one might argue a lot that you don't want to talk to us about. You're That's in fine. the deposition. That's <laughs> I love that. I don't know anything about that. <laughs> it's such a good Dana-ism. But that, to me, is why they're doing okay. They're having events every seven minutes. <laughs> Whether they're good or not, they're just charging people for them. Yeah, and they're one of the only sports that's like pretty consistent. I do not think this is good. I still think this is all fool's gold. I think, I think the yeah. UFC will come to a crashing reality in 2021. It's very possible, and there is some argumentation that says, okay, let's see this out. Yeah, the UFC is getting rid of fighters who maybe cost them more money, aka your Mighty Mouse. So why doesn't he go somewhere else and make money? And Mighty Mouse is A-OK making good money with 1FC. So he said In he Asia, wants to In Asia, he's a them. giant. <laughs> let's, let's calm that one down. He loves 1FC. He's like, here I am. I'm never leaving. <laughs> However, having said that, there is a theory that, yeah, Dana White is going to be fine in terms of having a roster because – they're going to get all this cheap talent from Dana White's contender series. So I guess the question is, 
Sam, when you see stuff like that, have you addressed the pay scale yet on your podcast? Because I would love a 12 hour exploration of it. I mean, I think we bring it up like all the time whenever we do a fight study. So yeah, it gets brought up a lot, but I, I think I might've been the first one to start saying that that was what was going to happen on Twitter. Right. I was, I was saying he was going to replace the expensive fighters with fighters from the Dana white puppy mill. So (laughs) you call it the fighter mill. It's really yeah. good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot of people actually, you don't say that elbow. you signed a fighter. You say you rescued a fighter. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Well, okay. Why did you, you, you called that early, but you enjoyed these fights. So that's good though. Yeah. Right. Like how yeah. I, I want to circle back to these. Thank you. Mackenzie Dern. But before we get to Mackenzie Dern, and I read, actually, speaking of research, I read an article about how having a child has made her a better fighter, and it uh, mm. spoke to me. Ferguson gets his arm just jailed right off. No tappies? Sam. Yeah. Have you seen that meme where it's like the, the guy on his first day doesn't know about tapping? Nobody told him about tapping? <laughs> I have not, but... I can see that. My mind immediately was like, Tony Ferguson is us, and the Cowboy Oliveira is 2020. This is fun. <laughs> Just watching it brutally. And it it was the most shareable moment of the fight, is the picture of Oliveira with just a textbook ugh, deep arm bar. Mm. Well, Sam, you're the highest ranking person on this podcast right now. Can you walk us through why maybe Tony did not tap to that? Uh, have any of you like really had your arm hyperextended? Uh, yes. So, yes. like if like especially if you compete, I think sometimes adrenaline and whatever you just kind of like you're debating it, right? And if they're really going at it, there's a point where it really hurts. That it hurts, and then when it goes like too far, it doesn't. You don't even feel anything anymore. And you saw Tony's hand. Like, there's images where Tony's hand is right there ready to tap. And I think that was at that pain point where it's like it hurts a lot. And then after a while, and then he waited. He's like, me, I don't know. I mean, he was like convincing himself, like, should I tap or not? And then it went too far. And he's like, I don't even feel the arm anymore. You know, fuck it. Let's just do it. Have you and it also have you ever taken it ahead, that yeah. far? I've never uh, taken it that far. I got popped by a Yamasaki blue belt half my size in an absolute I was just like, what happened? What's happening? And it hurt. Uh, yeah. But it wasn't anything like that. I've had it popped in a tournament where I actually started tapping very quickly when I when it went to the point where I couldn't even feel it. Then I was like, oh, my God, I don't feel my arm. This isn't good, right? So, <laughs> ooh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I would say this. I think he might have heard the clacks. So he might have known he was within the realm of 10 seconds. Mm-hmm. And he maybe, maybe it's a long just 10 figured, seconds. It's a rough one, Kevin. And I think he was gritting it. And as Sam may have mentioned here, yeah, you know, at a certain point, you just kind of say, well, my life sucks. So I guess I might as well just ride this one out. And mm-hmm. to his credit, he made it all the way through the fight, Kev. Well, tough. As I mean, I saw the decision, which was hard to reconcile, given what I had seen armbar wise. But yeah. it's also Tony Ferguson. I mean, is that wildly surprising? He's like, if it breaks, it breaks. Mackenzie Dern. Is, oh, go ahead. 
there is the popular meme that says Tony Ferguson is the kind of guy that keeps himself in an armbar. <laughs> so I wanted let to ask, conclude on that one. Go ahead. Let me ask you two a question. If you were in Tony Ferguson's corner and you saw that at that moment, would you throw in the towel? Or would you would you let Tony decide what he wants to do? Oh, I'm not throwing in the towel. No, I'm letting Tony. I mean, this isn't to get right back on the Rocky Four references. This isn't that type of situation. The arm heals. <laughs> like, he knows what he's doing in there. I wouldn't, because if I was, for example, if I was cornering you, Sam, and I'm cornering, like, let's just say we meet at a tournament, you're like, hey, I got nobody else here. And you're not tapping. I'm probably looking away, but I'm not <laughs> stopping the fight. I'm probably like, all right, man. Uh, like, I, because I do get squeamish when it's so clearly deep. These are like my struggles with tone and fights. Kev, I was literally just uh, joking with a kid who was competing who I recently coached, and he got put in a body triangle in overtime. And I was trying to yell out for him to do certain things, and they just weren't taking. And I knew, oh, well, he's just got to eat it. This sucks. <laughs> and afterwards, I told him, I go, you know, you won. So things ended well. But there was a moment where I looked at you and I just said, listen, dude, I know you just aren't going to be able to implement some of the things I've yelled two, three times now. So... Looking at that face that just said, Raf, please help. And I go, I'll see you at the end of the two minutes. Just keep your neck safe. <laughs> at the end, he was able to have a good laugh about it. But I told him, I go, man, it just sucks sometimes that you see your fighter. I would caveat it with this. I think Kev was leading down a road that I would say in my response, which is for most people, let's say I am coaching you, Sam. I might throw in the towel because I know you and I would feel very, very bad. Tony is a different human being. Mm. And I want to walk you through the possibility of you throwing in the towel. And then as they announce, like Charles Oliveira has won the fight, Tony Ferguson is now starting to fight you in the background <laughs> and just chasing you. <laughs> so I really want to make sure that people understand there is a heavy consequence to possibly yeah. baby Tony losing that fight, but quickly try to get a win over you in that cage and saying, hey, you know, I didn't win in there, but I'm going to leave this octagon with at least one W and just to kind of crystallize this once and for all, there were some meme pages that said, you know what? This was the final nail in the coffin for the Tony Ferguson versus Khabib Nurmagomedov memes and hopes and aspirations. And all I could think of was you guys are still on that. I thought we buried <laughs> that shit months ago. Thank I was you. done. <laughs> So Thank long you. ago, and it is so surprising that people go, well, now we'll never see it. I was like, we weren't going to see it months ago. What do you mean that was now? Even... <laughs> this is... What the fuck do you mean now Charles Oliveira was the one to kill it? No, it's been killed. And you know what? I even told somebody yesterday, I said, let me just put this crystal clear to you. They asked me for a fight prediction, and I said, listen, I have no good reason to tell you to put money on Tony Ferguson. However... I am merely going on Tony Ferguson math, which is he should not win this. So maybe there's an element he might win. That same person texted me back and said, he might win, huh? And I go, what do you want me to do, dude? 
we're damned if we do and we're damned if we don't. The fight gods are not happy with Tony Ferguson for whatever reason, but I told you, why would you bet on this fucking fight? You're stupid to put money on this one fight. Yeah. And that's it. I would say you should never bet on a Tony fight ever again just because he's on such a decline, but also he's Tony Ferguson. So even if you bet against him, he might end up winning anyway somehow. So it's just not a good bet. Well, yeah, Sam, I mean, I try to tell people, don't bet, bet on, on this one. Just as a heads up. <laughs> I try to tell people, don't bet on fighters that you know will only break your heart. So <laughs> just as a general rule here, fam. Now, Kev, you asked about Mackenzie Dern. I and remember I, I had early people. money on one of those Khabib fights with uh, Ferguson. <laughs> anyway, yeah, Mackenzie Dern. <laughs> Mackenzie Dern, good news, bad news, Kev. Good news, her striking has improved. It's great. I don't care. Bad That's news. That's not what I want. <laughs> I want. I, I don't care if she throws one punch. I just want to see her heel hook someone. Choke her out. Well, it. it Roba's tough though. Like she's a black belt. Roba also was putting it back on her uh, quite in a good way. She also need the fuck out of Mackenzie Dern's nose. Mm-hmm. To Mackenzie Dern's coach's credit, when Mackenzie goes, "Hey, is my nose broken?" and she, the coach just goes. I don't think so. And Mackenzie <laughs> said in her post-fight interview, yeah, I was pretty sure once he said that, it was broken. Uh, I don't so. think so. It's not the best. I We would all see right through that bullshit. If that was our corner, we'd all be like, uh-oh. <laughs> That's not good. It's like, that would be akin it's to like, Kevin. Uh... <laughs> that would be akin to Kevin asking me and be like, Raf, do I still have my good looks? And be like, ah, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're, of course you're you going to be okay. No Christmas cards with <laughs> your like... face on it this year. Just the, just the animals this year. Sam, we're going to go to you on this. Okay. I obviously have my feelings about the stand-up. I'll get to them. But what make you of Mackenzie Dern's performance in this fight? I was actually impressed by one aspect, which was her heart and uh, her her cardio. I think in some of her earlier fights, especially when she was having problems with weight cutting, her cardio didn't look that good. Um, But in this one, she didn't fade. And not only that, she was able, I mean, it was like one and one going into the last round and she poured it on. So, you know, she showed a lot of like willingness to just dig deep because I think she realized, you know what, like our striking level is about the same. Then it's just going to be about like whoever has more volume is going to win. And so she put on a pace. She did, Kevin. And here's where I'm concerned. Mackenzie dug deep, knew she needed to win the third round, did. Even with the broken nose and all, super impressed. What I would like to say is that it would make me feel, the jiu-jitsu fighter inside of me, so much better if maybe after every time she throws a combination, she doesn't duck her head down and press forward because that is how the knee happened to her nose and it made me very nervous throughout the duration of the fight you can literally look at any combination she threw and it's kind of like somebody charging ahead and just saying well to fuck it my face doesn't need any sort of protection here and I, one, admired it, and two, thought, please don't lose the fight because of this. <laughs> and I have to say, I think that's where she got tagged a little bit. And so the nose was early then? Yeah, it was, oh, I think, so, okay. second round or something. Beginning, beginning of round two. Was there any grappling? Thank you. 
No, uh, all, very little. Not really. No, no. They both her. wanted. <laughs> I feel like there they should be an agreement. Them. First of all, um, both fighters have a Brazilian flag next to their name, including Mackenzie Dern yes. of ESPN. But there should be an agreement. If you're both really into jiu-jitsu, can we just start the second round on our butt? Like for fun. <laughs> um, it will be a double guard pull uh, that I think would be pretty epic. And just to let you know, Kevin, her ESPN page, I don't know that you reported this correctly. It's the first time that ESPN has put up the Brazilian flag with a question mark next to it. <laughs> I don't see that, but I guess <laughs> it's on here. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's talk about the sadness that is Jacare losing, Kevin. Because yeah, finish, because I'm ready to get to some results. I know, man. And I'll bulletproof through some of these. Sam's but... got to go on vacation to unknown dis- I know. unknown locations. I know. Jacare. <sighs> Kev, imagine he was winning the grappling exchange and trying to pass, and then while on his knees trying to pass, Kevin Holland just kind of technically stood up, and then while Jacare was still on his knees, kind of clocked him in the face with a kick first, then gets to his full standing upright position, and then just kind of beats him up in a way that you would see almost in a comic book where the villain stands over the hero, and then you think, oh, the hero's going to get up, and no, Superman is dead. So... That's kind of what happened there. Sam, did that hurt your soul at all? No, man. I've been on the Kevin Holland train ever oh, since he well. fought Diago Silva. Well, that got a different narrative than I was expecting <laughs> there, but okay. I, 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 Sam's on the show forever now. Sam's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> Sam's I mean, Kevin Holland's good. Jacare's old. Shit happens. That's right? essentially what we're looking at, both there and Junior Dos Santos. And while we're still on that page, that was a fun one-two punch for a lot of people's childhoods. But Junior <laughs> Dos Santos, Gaines hit. What make you of that being a illegal or legal hit, in your opinion, Sam? Um, I think like the first two were legal, and then maybe like the last one wasn't legal. But at that point, it was already done. And yeah. and going into it, like once you saw him pressed up against the fence, didn't you already feel like sickness in your stomach? Like, oh no, here it comes. You know, so it was like inevitable anyway, arguing like if it was legal or not, he would have just finished them with legal strikes at that point, you know? What a great concept to say, though, Sam. Hearing you phrased exactly like that from you makes me laugh because you're saying like, well, I mean, he was going to finish it with legal strikes to begin with. I'll be like, can they all be legal strikes, please? I have a preference. And the reason why, Kevin, is because afterwards, Junior Dos Santos was looking back at him and saying, like, uh, I mean, dude, he hit me and that was an illegal hit. And really what made me nervous was the moment I saw that jab connect with him and his face started contorting a little bit. And I thought, well, this is about to be as sad as I thought. And then it got sadder. So yeah. surprised me. <laughs> um, there is that. Cup Swanson, we mentioned, amazing. Fiziev, great fucking knockout that was so much fun to watch again rule of the show always go for the Raphael. we try to tell people this it's just science gavin tucker very dominant over billy q and tisha torres looked back in form over an opponent who you know all things considered did step up Uh but there was a doctor stoppage after the first round wait what was the notice how many how long did sam hughes have for this well essentially from i think the the moment you texted me so Wow. Yeah, not a, not an amazing amount of time. And I do believe there was a couple days where it said TBA. So it might have even taken longer than we had presumed. And that's usually uh, the UFC matchmakers 
calling to every gym and going, you got a chick? What's her weight? Is she okay? Yeah, that'll do. So anyway, Kev, you have some results that you are sitting on right now. I think the time has come for you to reveal them. This is a massive bummer. Because, first of all, if Souza had won, I'm right in the hunt with one, two, mm-hmm. three, four, five fights correct. But because mm-hmm. I did not hit the parlay, I lose a point, which takes mm-hmm. me down to four picks correct. Uh, it's very reminiscent of Davis and Figueroa. So, so I had saying. Torres. Mr. Sam had Torres. I had Grant. He had Ying Liang. They didn't fight. We both had Fizio. I had Souza. He was notably on the Kevin Holland train. I had Mackenzie Dern because of jiu-jitsu. He had John Jaroba. I had Chase Hooper because, um, you know, child prodigies. Love him. Right. He had Peter Barrett because I guess he thought it was an accountant. I had Panetta. Real quick on that one. Hmm. Uh, Peter Barrett is also a friend of the show, Extended, and I didn't really remember that until a little bit later. Uh, Austin Stack is friends with him, messages me and goes, my boy, uh, Slippery Pete. He's uh he's fighting tonight. I was like, ooh, he's fighting a fan of the show, so I really can't go for your guy. I'm sorry. Yeah. Cub Swan song. Somehow zombies over Panetta. We both had gain. This was the fight I was screaming about for no reason, and everyone was confused in the household. Quarantillo versus Tucker. Tucker pulled out a bullshit Canadian decision. <laughs> Oliveira noticeably beat up Turd Ferguson. Sorry about his arm. We both had Spivak. They didn't fight. And then I had Lugiambula. And you had Carl Robertson, and they didn't fight. Then we both had Figs. And, you know, Newton said for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. Or there's a draw, you smug scientific a-hole. And that's what I would argue happened. He wins. Six to four. It's brutal. Your response, Sam? You know, I know things, so, you know. <laughs> and then I, when I heard his picks during the thing, I was like, no, no, I got this. Six wow. to four. I mean, really, it was six to five, <laughs> but I did that stupid parlay. I'm glad I did, though, because if it had hit, I we're looking at a, a two-point swing, I believe. Well, Kev, what you Actually, don't know, and I didn't seven, so... Kev, what I didn't tell you was, I got a note from Sam. This is time-stamped at 8.02 p.m. And he said, call me Supernatural Sam. So he was feeling pretty good about his results yesterday. Cool. He should. He did a fantastic <laughs> job at bringing fights. Well, uh, Sam, I do have. I was going to make the, the transition here. But go ahead. What is that, Kevin? I, I well obviously I owe him a shirt, but I also owe him a speech about mankind, and I've prepared some remarks. <laughs> but go ahead. What were you about to say? I was just gonna say we will love to see those. Sam, do you have any parting wisdom or any kind of things that you would suggest to Kevin that maybe he can rebound in the next installment of Over Under Kevin, which will be a big one because it's gonna be Dustin Poirier versus Conor McGregor. Hmm. I, he actually has a pretty good system by just looking at the names mm. and, and deciding who's going to win. <laughs> but I think if he adds to that another level of science where he looks at the number of letters 
in each name and then uses a little bit of mathematics, Hold then up. he could figure out. Wow. That that might add an element to his picking where it might become even more scientific, you know? Kev, I'm really into that idea. I normally don't listen to these suggestions, but it's my favorite guest, <laughs> so I have no <laughs> choice. I'm writing it down. Took note. Well, Sam, we need to get you on out of here, but we should give a final plug. Where can people listen to you? Right Where can before they find that, your stuff? Okay. Mm. <laughs> Here's what I have. We're in the pitch okay. room, right? I was a communications consultant for I'm in this I'm the chief of staff. It's you two and Mick Foley, right? I'm trying to get okay. him, I'm convincing him it's his time. Mm. Cool. Here's the elevator pitch. He fought the Undertaker already. Hell in a cell. It's a famous yeah. match. And we all know four years from now, Biden's going to be dead. So this is going to be an election <laughs> against his undertaker. And you have the knowledge. Let's talk about some of your alter egos. Cactus Jack. Uh, did you hear that, Arizona and Nevada? Um, what about mankind? Hippies in California. The future is Republican. We have the sock puppet man himself. And frankly, I think your Wikipedia page is wrong when it calls you delusional and frequently accused of what would be borderline assault. That's the future of the Republican Party. So that's uh, my quick elevator pitch. Would note, I believe Mankind is a registered Democrat. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Oh, Just from his well, you know, no, None of that matters, multiverse. guys. Mankind, you're gonna sweep California, dude. Love Florida's back in Democrat. I'll just switch it. Don't worry. Who's paying the check? Yo, Kev, I didn't think about this till right now, but can he do every debate as a different character so that Whoa. mankind shows up one, dude? Love shows up as one. Not only can he, he's in. He feels compelled to do so. <laughs> Good luck tracking that one, Georgia. They're all going to vote fully before they know what happened. I wasn't into this idea, Sam, when it was challenged. I'm now into it. So that's how I spent my Sunday talking myself. I appreciate that. I appreciate how you've put so much more effort into that joke and monologue than researching the fights. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> and if you laugh now, just wait until you see how little work he does on the editing. So joke's on you, Sam. We're going to walk away from this bitch, and it'll be up in probably 20 minutes afterwards. <laughs> but Plug I guess what I would like to say to you is this. Oh, yeah. Mm. Oh, I was just going to compliment Kevin. This is a true testament to the preparation that he and I do. When he said he had prepared remarks, I wasn't sure that it was going to go today. I thought that we were just going to cut to you being like, well, tell us where people can find you. And Kevin had it ready to go. So to me, mm. I think we can say that you inspired us to maybe bring a little bit more preparation to our show. Now, granted, we're going to discard that after. Hey, Verbal Tech fans. Sorry we had a little audio interruption, but it was, I think, just rap speaking. Going to throw it back to us as we get to Sam uh, departing. Find uh, Southpaw on all the social media under Southpaw Pod. Uh, what we got coming up, we'll, we don't have any interviews coming out for a little bit, and in the interim... It'll be just like MMA stuff. And uh, I might be also releasing some interviews I've done for other publications. So stuff like that. 
it's great to hear kevin i do want to tell you one thing real quick which is we have to improve his hashtag game on youtube because i put southpaw pod <laughs> and the first result is pod's south town yes hmm? the late 90s early aughts pod which was the christian uh kind of rock new metal band so that is one of the first results you get there so sam we mm -hmm. need to make sure we we separate you from the pod there <laughs> you know when you watched that did it take you down memory lane though did it do something for you I don't know, man. The, the early 2000s with the new metal and Limp Biscuit. And Tito I'm just Ortiz. Glad that, <laughs> I'm just glad that there is no social media uh, evidence, I guess to say, of what I may or may not have looked like. Because <laughs> it wouldn't be too different than you think. But it's also still embarrassingly enough to the point where I say, oh, God, we did live through those times. But very well incorporated to the world of pro wrestling i must say so we'll say that well sam listen you're I'm a blast leaving a man five I'm... star review right now on southpaw podcast thank Super you her work kevin and i just want to say this sam again i, I know that you saw a, a conversation we have with dan tom but he was happy that we got together and i did mean this when i say you know i've got a list of people that i always look out for or i always kind of keep an eye on and say when the time is right i think it is time for us to combine forces and i thought this was one of those times where i said you know let's let's make it happen and i'm so glad that you were part of the verbal tab family now we're glad that you're a guest we will find i'm sure other opportunities down the way to bring you back on the show, but we couldn't be happier that you were able to take time out, especially I know when you're going to race off to a vacation right now, but we appreciate your time. We appreciate the work that you do. And despite what they say uh, from whatever crazy internet trolls, um, you are doing phenomenal work, sir. Oh, I really appreciate that. That means a lot. And uh, this was a lot of fun. I am glad I have family status with you guys now. So, you know, I could I could put that somewhere. I somewhere well, yeah, in a biography you, you can. In a description somewhere. I'm sure you can. I don't know what that will do for you. Also, I have several PR statements in case you go too far left of us that I will be prepared to release that say we never really knew Sam. Mm, <laughs> no, it doesn't ring a bell. Um, but obviously we we joke, we kid, but you're doing great work, man, and, and keep it up, dude. All right, thank you. Please note, the new number is...